Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Father, this morning we declare your goodness. We declare your graciousness and your mercy over this, this house. Father, you're a good, good father. You're a good father. You're a good father. So, Lord, this morning I just come before you and we pray, God, that your spirit right now would come and rest on your people. Father, let hearts be open to receive what you would have to say to them this morning, I pray. God, let there be revelation from heaven poured out on your people this morning. God, I thank you. Lives are going to change this morning. Circumstances are going to change this morning. People are going to stop looking back and they're going to start purposing to walk forward this year. You're a good, good father. You desire the best for your children. A future and a hope. So Father, right now I pray, come. Come. Meet with your people this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, why don't we just give God praise this morning? Thank you, Father. Thank you. He's awesome, church. He's an awesome God. Well, you may be seated. You guys are phenomenal as always. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So good to be in the house. Who's glad that they're here this morning? Who knows the best way to start a new year is getting yourself to church, amen? You know, just before I kick off, Kim, I know Scott's out, but I just, I just felt I had a word for you guys and worship there. You know, you guys over the years have made some big decisions, but you carry a lot of grace in your life, and so you're not quick to just share that all the time with people. But I feel like God says, you know what, He's noticed decisions you and Scott have made over the years for your kids, for your family, they've been big decisions. Sometimes they've shifted or hurted you, but I'm telling you, God said to me, this is the year that he's going to put an anointing on your life that's going to cause you to stand strong like a tower, and he's going to cause roots to go down for you and, and Scott, and you're not going to be moved, and you're not going to be shaken anymore, and I'm telling you now, there's a voice coming inside of you to minister to people. God is going to give you a new song and a voice that you're going to speak in situations over people's lives, and they're going to change. Start listening to God because He's going to start giving you revelation. As you read His Word, He's going to give you revelation for people. And I just see you coming around them like a council, just with grace, yet with authority in what you say to bring change into people's world. And not just that, I feel God say that there's an inheritance upon your life that's going to be passed down to both Jed and Chanel. And I just see them standing strong in the house of God with the future proclaiming the name of Jesus. He said, your future is secure in me this year. Watch what I will do for you. You're going to stand strong. I will establish you and no weapon formed against your family this year is going to prosper. So just take that on board. All right. Here we go, church. Here we go. So this morning we're talking, well, this month we've kind of got the theme of a fresh start and a new beginning. And so really... 2016 is upon us, there's going to be new challenges, there's going to be new opportunities, so I guess how do we as a people do it a little less looking behind us and really start purposing in our hearts as a people, as a church, as a congregation to start pressing forward? You know, this is a year where we want to start breaking ground. We really want to start building a little bit of momentum behind what we do, not just corporately as a church, but in your own life to get momentum behind what you're doing, Amen. And so I love what the Apostle Paul says to us. He says to a church in Philippi, he says this, he says, Brethren, 
I do not count myself to have comprehended everything, but one thing I do always, and it's this forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so really one of the most important things that you and I can do as we begin a new year is to really perfectly set aside some time to reflect openly and honestly about where we're at. You know, 2015 is behind us. We've kind of journeyed over 12 months. We're in a new year. So really, where are we at? And more specifically, where are we at with God? Do you feel this year that you can start strong in God as we kick off? Or honestly, do you feel a little bit disjointed and lost in Him? And I think the deal is actually being able to start strong this year, regardless of what was, kind of depends to a large degree on you and I taking some time to do a spiritual stock take of our relationship with God. Yep, so to be able to maybe accept where we stand with God right now, however that looks, but then more importantly, make a decision to do whatever it's going to take to adjust accordingly, amen? And so let me put that into a, to, um, that concept and illustration this morning for you guys. So obviously over the summer months, one of the best things I love to do is go swimming in the sea with my eldest son, Noah. And so often we'll just pack up and we'll head down to Parisian Beach. And being the responsible parent that I am, is we will kind of set up tent out you know, near the flags and we'll get ready and then we'll head into the water between the flags. But now one thing I've noticed is every time, pretty much every time, you get into the ocean and you feel that gentle, that gentle kind of current. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's not a strong current, but it's enough that you kind of feel it gently pushing on your leg a little bit and... And so you get on with diving under the waves and swimming in the water and trying to drown each other, you know, all the fun things you do during the summer months. But without fail, every time I've noticed that I will look up, and the minute I look up, I notice that I've been carried a couple of meters outside of the flags. And it's amazing how quickly that happens and how subtly it happens that I don't even feel us getting shifted slowly and slowly away from where we should be. Amen? And it's not until I actually do look up and check my position relative to the, to the flags, that I can actually make a choice to do something about it. Well, I'll grab Noah, and we'll kind of walk out of the ocean, and we'll kind of go back along the beach and get back in where the flags are, or I start listening to the voice of the lifeguard, you know, the voice that comes over the speakerphone, hey, you two over there, please check your position, and that I can do something about it and adjust, yep, amen. But the reality is, I found that if I didn't look up, and I stayed consumed in what I was doing with Noah, or I chose just to ignore the voice, uh, over the speakerphone, watching my position, the reality is that I would just continue to drift further and further away from where I should be, amen? And so really that's the deal with us taking spiritual stock take of our life. Why? Because we get consumed and caught up in the gentle currents that are life. And the enemy is really clever because it's never really the strong currents or the rips that will get you off course. Why? Because you notice them. You know, who's ever tried to go for a swim after we've had cyclones up north or there's been a big storm and the sea's kind of churned up and you kind of get onto the beach and you're a bit, and you've kind of put your foot in the water and you feel that current or you feel that rip or you can see the rip and it automatically raises caution in you to go, you know, I don't know if I can do this. I'm probably not going to take, I'm not going to be a hero and try and swim and so I don't. Or before you even get on the beach, who knows when the lifeguards put the big signs up on the beach saying swim at your own risk. It's really, so it, there's a risk awareness that raises inside of us, and so we often don't swim, but not so the gentle current. You see, the danger with the gentle currents in life is that we can tolerate them. They're just gentle currents, just slowly pushing against your leg this way and that way, so we tolerate it, and the problem with tolerating it is that over time, we forget about it. 
And if we forget about it, we're no longer paying attention to it. And so we go on being consumed in all things that are life, not realizing that that gentle current is slowly pushing us further and further out of alignment with God. Amen? And so it's not until we look up, or it's not until we learn or make a decision to hear the voice of God trying to speak through the complexities of life to us and say, hey, son, daughter, I want you to look up. I want you to take a moment and check your position relative to the flags. Where are you? I want you to come back to me. And it's really that, that moment in our life, we only have two decisions we can make, two choices. One is that we decide, God, you know what, you're right. I'm going to adjust accordingly and do whatever I have to come back into alignment with you. Or we can continue to look down. We can continue to not listen to the voice of God. And what happens is we continue to drift through life, drift through another year, amen? So I want you to come with me in your Bibles, Jeremiah 29. We're going to start off in that well-known verse, verse 11, and it says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now why a future and a hope? Well, because without a future in front of you, really, there's not much to hope in or for. And without having someone to hope in or something, we often don't have a future. But church, I want to tell you this morning that regardless of your relationship and the condition it stands right now, this year as we kick off, you have the creator of heaven and earth that has purposed and fashioned for you a future and a hope. Amen? And I want to take that a step further and say regardless of how far you may have drifted over the last year from the flag, you have a father in heaven who has already set before you a future that will far exceed your greatest expectations and in the midst of all your mess, he sent his son to die for you that you and I could unashamedly hope in someone and his name is Jesus. Who knows that when you hope in Jesus, you have everything you need, you have a future and a hope, amen? So um, I wanna go, I, I wanna carry on from there and say in verse 12, it says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So really the foundational principle for you and I in starting strong this year is that we start with God, Emmanuel, God with us. But you see, the deal is Jeremiah is telling us in the scripture, God is actually a God that has to be found. We have to seek him out in order that we find him. We cannot assume just because we're entering into a new year that we automatically enter into a new relationship with God, amen? And so really, you see, that process of taking spiritual stock of your life really has no meaning unless you and I are prepared to do something about that, do something about what we find, amen? Uh, and so, you know, pastors, Christian and Melissa are coming to the end of a journey and building a beautiful home in Perigian Springs, which is very exciting. But I just want to take you back for a minute to the early days when they bought the block of land. You just picture them there standing on the block of land and they've kind of got some building resource material, you know, pile of wood, they've got some bricks, they've got their tiles ready to go. And along comes the building manager in his ute and he kind of pulls up and he's got the blueprints under his arm and he gets out and he comes to see them, big smiling face, and he kind of unravels the blueprints and kind of puts one over the block of timber and one over the bricks and one over the tiles. And then he just turns around and he says to them, well guys, all the best. Let's see what happens. Hopefully between the building resources and the, and the tools and the blueprints, they're going to get talking to one another. And in the next couple of months, you're going to have yourself a home. It's going to be built. All the best. We'll see you in a couple of months. Who knows that the only thing left of the building manager would probably be his little hard hat spinning on the ground in front of pastors Christian and Melissa. 
But how often do we do that with God? You see, God has given us resource and He's given us tools, yet somehow we leave them at His feet and say, well, you're God, so hopefully this year you'll kind of just make it all work. You'll build a house for me and it'll all be sweet. But Jeremiah says, no, we've got to seek God out. There's tools that we have that we actually have to pick up in order to engage the resources of heaven over our lives. We actually have to ourselves purpose to build something from what God has given us this year on His Word, on His promises, so that our future is secure, we have a hope in Him, amen? So, you know, I kind of, you know, the reality is we've got to put some effort in. We've got to put some effort in at the end of the day. And I kind of get a little bit edgy when, when you hear people kind of talk about, well, you know, brother, Justin, I'm just, I'm just looking for God right now. You know, I just really want to look for God. Who understands that there's, first of all, there's a big difference between a man look and a woman look. Who understands that? So the other night, I'm looking for the cheese grater because I need to grate some cheese. And you can't find the cheese grater. I think it's in the cupboard where it usually lives, okay. So I go check the cupboard, it's not there. So then I check in the dishwasher where apparently it was cleaned, it's not there. Then I'm looking in the top cupboard and the bottom cupboard. And every minute that's going by that I can't find this cheese grater, I'm getting more angry and suicidal. And I start thinking bad thoughts about my children because it's obviously one of them that's taken the cheese grater. They don't put things back where it is and it's probably sitting under his bed right now. And I still can't find the cheese grater. And so in comes Ange to have a woman's look. And within about two seconds flat, she goes, babes, it's actually on the kitchen counter next to the breadboard and the block of cheese ready to go. Thanks, babes. Still the kid's fault. Still the kid's fault. Somehow this is the kid's fault. But how often do we do that with God? I, I want to say, let 2016 be a year where you stop looking for God and you start seeking God. You start searching God. Because I want to tell you this, looking is momentary. It's temporary. Searching represents a journey. It represents a process of us doing whatever it takes to find God. And it doesn't give up at the first hurdle or roadblock that we find. Amen. And so looking says, you know what, I'm interested in finding out a little bit more about God, but seeking says, you know what, I'm determined. I'm determined. This year, church, we need to come out of the starting blocks determined to find God, determined to build relationship with Him. Whatever valleys we're going to walk through, whatever challenges we face, this is the year, 2016, that I want a deeper, richer, more intimate relationship with God. That scripture says to us, you will search me out and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, looking says, well, I tried. I did try, but I didn't find anything. I was interested, and I started, and then life got busy, and things got complicated, and so it kind of just fell by the wayside. But seeking God says, in spite of my busyness, I pushed through, and I found Him. Seeking says, you know what? I went to bed an hour later, or I got up an hour earlier. Why? Because I was determined to find God. Seeking God says, you know what, if anything, I just purpose to find myself on the steps of church every Sunday, even though the surf is always looking so amazing on a Sunday morning. Why? Because I'm determined to worship Him. The seeking God says, you know what, I'm going to turn the TV off an hour earlier, even though I'm so into the new series that's on TV right now, because I'm determined to have a conversation with Jesus. Amen? And so verse 14 goes on and it says, I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I have caused you to be carried away 
captive. And so often, the journey represents us starting in the right place with the right intentions, in the right moment with the right ideas, but then something happens along the way and we get a little disillusioned and we get a little bit lost and our orientation kind of gets skewed and we find ourselves out of position with God. And so I want to pose a question to you this morning and ask you straight up, 2016 already, we're only three, two, two and a half weeks into the year, what is competing and consuming your time and your energy and your focus right now? Are there things that you started out pursuing that now have caught you captive, that are now holding you captive and you can't move away from that place no matter how hard you try? What is captivating your heart? Is it relationship? Is it your family? Is it a career? What is captivating your heart. You know, I feel that there is a word for our church this year, that people, families, and men and women and children are going to come into the house of God, and they're going to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to take them out of that place of captivity and bring them back to the starting point, that sweet spot in life they once knew when they met Christ, and they're going to start again. Their feet are going to be put back on solid ground. People are going to find, families are going to find their promised land, and from there, they're going to be able to journey out again in God. I'm telling you, church, people are going to encounter the God of a second chance in this church. People are going to be brought back to the place they need to be in order to start straight and hit the target for which they were meant to. Amen? Do you believe God this morning? Why don't you give Him praise, church? Because I think that's worthy of praise. God is going to redeem lives this year in this church. Amen? All right. So I want you to come with me now to 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to kick off with verse 1. And I want us just to park in the story and get a little bit practical if that's all right. It says this, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. In other words, I have debt. I had a husband who loved God, but we had debt. I can't pay it. The creditor is coming to take my sons in its place. So Elisha says to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, and I want you to pay attention to this church, she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. So firstly, how often do we get to those moments where we feel there's like nothing left in the house? We get to the end of the year and the lights are off, nobody's home, everything's vacated, we're pretty empty, and we're just done. Or we get to the end of a year in a season and it's just, we're out. We just feel like, man, just tap me out. I'm out of ideas. I'm out of energy. I'm out of patience. I'm out of resources. I'm just out. But the problem with staying in that state of being is that by default, you carry into a new year. And when you carry into a new year, you will face new challenges, new hurdles. But if you're in that state, you're not equipped. You don't have the resourcing within you, the energy within you, the empowerment within you to actually face those challenges and overcome. So what happens is you start a new year back-footed rather than front-footed. And so I want to say this morning, we can't allow in those moments to overlook that small little jar of oil that might be sitting in your empty cupboard in the dark in the back, the cupboard nobody goes to. We can't discredit it. Why? Well, here's this widow saying to Elisha, man, my circumstances suck. They're pretty bad. Woe is me. It's all about to get really horrible really quickly. And so Elisha says to I hear your plight. I understand, so tell me, what do you have in your house? Because if I'm hearing you through what you're saying, widow, you need something to change. You're pretty desperate right now. So let me ask you, well, what do you have in your house? Is there anything right now that you have in your house that could help you change your circumstances? 
And so she says to him, Elisha, I have nothing. I've got nothing but this jar of oil. Church, I want to tell you, it's the nothing but that's going to give you your fresh start. It's your nothing but that holds the key to you starting strong this year. What am I saying? I'm saying this. You might have crashed and burned spectacularly in 2015, leaving you with nothing but you have a jar of oil. You might have failed at everything you attempted last year, feeling like it was all for nothing, but you have a jar of oil. You might be feeling right now that your marriage is on the breakup and it's going to leave you and those years that you stay together were all for nothing, but you have a jar of oil. You might be feeling that your kids are getting further away from you or if you get one more bill in the mail, that's it, you're over financially, but you have a jar of oil. For some of you, I want to say you're feeling like you're living another year for nothing, but you have a jar of oil. That one small jar of oil is all you need. Why? Because it's your source. It's the point of going back to, it's a connection point for you and I to start afresh this year. It's, that, it's a source for you to go back to that sweet spot maybe you once knew in God, but you've forgotten about. It's that source that's going to bring you back to your promised land where you can get your feet back on solid ground and start walking again. Amen? It's the Holy Spirit inside of you right now. Church, don't negate this year the small jar of oil, the resource that you have in your life to make this life exceedingly abundantly above all your expectations this year. It's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, the giver of oil. He wants to put upon you a fresh anointing for 2016. Amen? And so verse 3 says, and then he said, Elisha said to the widow, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour into all those vessels, and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. You've got to understand that the oil in that small little jar in the house was not for storing, but it was for pouring. And so the oil of the Holy Spirit has the supernatural characteristic that it wants to pour out and fill that which is empty. And it has unlimited capacity to keep filling that which is empty. But the deal is, as people of God, you and I have to bring the empty jars. Amen? You and I have to bring the empty jars. And so I want to encourage you, church, let's not sit on our hands this year thinking because it's a new year, God, like some magical genie, just makes sure that everything falls into place. We've got to bring empty jars, amen? Because we've just read the story of a woman who got a new lease on life. She got a fresh start. Her circumstances went from pretty much zero to hero in the matter of a day, not because she was in her own right resourceful or skilled or smart or was able to think outside the box. She got a new lease on life because she went back to her source. She found her source. She connected back into the giver of life and oil and in the midst of her circumstances that seemed hopeless, she discovered an anointing that keeps flowing as long as you keep coming back. She discovered an anointing that keeps filling as long as you keep bringing empty jars. And so back and back and back she came bringing empty jars. Amen? You know, and so sometimes the deal is, the reality is, the cogs of life that turn our life, they get a little bit dry. And they little get, get a bit rusted. And so you start feeling like you're grinding through the day to day. And it's those seasons where you might be putting in maximum effort and getting very little return, and that can be so frustrating. But the deal is that we have the Spirit of God inside of us that holds this oil, that wants to lubricate and oil these cogs so that they do what they need to do. And if we as a church and you as individuals want the machine of your life to begin humming smoothly, then we need to get 
in contact with the source. We need to tap into that giver of oil, amen? So how does it work? Plugging into the giver of the supernatural oil is really about making a decision daily to stop and drop. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, get ready to stop and drop. Stop and drop. So what do I mean by that? Well, when life gets hard, when life gets ugly, and you don't have all the answers, rather than allowing yourself to disappear into despair, despair you've got to stop, and you've got to kind of drop and go, God, I just come to you in prayer. I don't understand what's going on right now, but I love you, and I thank you that I'm covered under the shadow of your wings. And then when life and your circumstances start telling you, you know what? Things just suck. It's not worth it anymore. Church, I want you to make a default response to stop and drop on his word and say, God, I don't understand what's going on, but your word tells me, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on all your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. You know, and you get back up and you keep journeying life and then your heart gets heavy because you start carrying baggage through the year. Next month, the next month, things are just not going well and you're carrying all this responsibility and fear and stress. You've got to stop. Don't put another bag on your shoulders. Stop and drop uh, in worship and say, God, I don't understand. My heart is heavy, but you're worthy. I worship you. I lift you up. You're the Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Stop and drop. I'm telling you, church, if you would just apply those three things to your life, prayer, the Word of God, and worship, I'm telling you, things will look so much different. You know, not many times will you find a preacher on the pulpit giving you a no-risk ironclad, guaranteed strategy of success, promising always to win, never to fail, but this is one of those times where the preacher is. If you will simply apply to your life this year, prayer, the word of God, and worship, I promise you, you will find yourself finishing this year healthier, happier, stronger, more blessed, more fruitful, more at peace than you did the year before, guaranteed, guaranteed. So what do you have to lose? And better yet, what do you have to gain if you do that? Amen? And so really, I want to encourage you, if you do nothing else this year but plan your plans around those three things, prayer, worship, and the Word of God, I'm telling you now, you will find 2016 far exceed your greatest expectations. You will find your capacity to carry the things of God enlarged. Why? Because every time you meet God in those moments of stopping and dropping what you are doing is bringing an empty jar for the Holy Spirit to fill. Every time you meet God at a point in His Word, in worship or in prayer, you're bringing another vessel for God to fill. So if you map out your year with moments of connection with God, you will find that you keep the anointing of heaven flowing in your life. And the more that it's flowing, the more that you're growing. And so I want to tell you this morning, church, let that be your default response to everything this year. I'm going to stop and drop. I'm going to stop and drop. I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to worship. I want those vessels to keep being filled with oil so that I can keep running the race God has called me to run this year. Amen? And I'm telling you now, whatever you face, however deep the valley, however high the highs, if you just say, you know what? My response to this year is going to be, I'm going to stop and drop in all things. God, I'm grateful. God, I love you. God, I'm scared. I want you to be with me. God, help me. I'm telling you, things are going to look a lot different, amen? So verse 6, it says this of that same scripture. It says, now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons 
live on the rest. When the oil of heaven begins to flow into an empty vessel, it fills it always to the full that it would meet the need that you face in your life. And it has the supernatural ability on that oil to go beyond meeting your need and sustain you, amen? But the deal is this, the widow and her sons only had as much oil as empty jars they had to fill. The Holy Spirit has enough oil to fill your life as you do the moments to come and stop and drop before Him. The more that you purpose to come before God on your knees and seek Him out that you would find Him, the more God can fill your life with oil. The greater your capacity to carry the oil of heaven, and if you carry the oil of heaven, there's no weapon that will form against you this year that's going to prosper. Amen? You know, so often we hear more and more, I guess, now than before, this word burnout, especially in the life of ministry. You know, I read a, a really sobering statistic the other day that 1,500 ministers alone in the United States are leaving the ministry every month. 1,500 ministers are saying, I'm done. Psh, tap me out. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go find something else to do. I don't even know if I believe in all this. 1,500 a month. What's happening? I believe people have forgotten the second drop. People have forgotten to look up. People have forgotten to hear the voice of God gently trying to compete against the things in your life to say, son and daughter, look up. Where are you? Check your position relative to the flags and do something about it. Come back to me. And so we cut off the oil supply. We stop bringing empty jars to God. And so we try and run this race on one jar of oil. The reality, church, is that that oil is not going to last you forever in the one jar. Eventually, it runs out. And when it runs out, I'm telling you, the heat turns up. And when the heat's up, the jar cracks, life fragments, and we end up back at burnout. You know, it's interesting, I found that over the years, human nature is always to want to look back. It seems so much easier to hold on to the old rather than lay hold of something new. But I want to encourage you, church, maybe this is a season now in the life, your life, the life of our church, where it's time to trust God enough to believe that what He has in front is greater than what you're looking at behind. Amen? That now's the time to lay hold of something new. Why? Because he knows the thoughts he thinks towards you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you what? A future and a hope. Amen? Lozzie, I might get you up if I can. That'd be great. And so we read, I just want to kind of finish up on this. We read in Genesis the story of God delivering Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know that it wasn't until Lot kind of broke away from Abraham and he went and settled on the plains outside of Sodom and Gomorrah. He met his wife. He had kids. But the sin and depravity of that city was so great that it could not come before God. And God decided in His righteousness and holiness, He was going to destroy that city. But on the back of Abraham's intercession for the righteous in that city, namely Lot and his family, an angel of the Lord came to Lot and his family and said, I'm going to save you out of this, but you need to go now because I'm going to destroy this city. It's so sinful. It's so dark. God's going to wipe it. And so He relocates Lot and his wife and the daughters out of the city. And He says, I want you not to look back but I want you to keep running, and I want you to just look to where I'm pointing you, go there, seek higher ground, forget about what's behind you, God's about to remove it from history. And so what happens is that Lot's wife can't help herself. And so he takes him out of the city, says, now go run. The time is coming where God's about to rain judgment on this city. And she looks over her shoulder as they're running, 
and instantly her life's taken from her and she's turned into a pillar of salt. And I kind of always got to thinking, why such a dramatic thing that God had to do to poor Lot's wife? She was still heading in the right direction. She was still out of the city. She was still traveling with her family to, a, to salvation, but she looked over her shoulder and I kind of said to God the other day, God, why? Why be so harsh? I believe, and I feel like God said to me, you know what, Justin? The severity of that punishment was relative to the series of a condition that was manifested on the inside of Lot's wife. And what is that? It's a heart that was still knitted to what was behind her. It was a life that said, you know what, even though God is saving me and I'm walking in His salvation, I'm experiencing His deliverance, I can't let go. I can't not look behind me. It's a heart that is knitted to a life. But God, why, why such a dramatic, why take her life? And I felt like I said, Justin, you know, the sin and depravity in that city was so great that if she had survived with a heart still knitted to that, that sin and depravity would have eventually overtaken her into the life that was in front of her, and she would have died anyway. So I took her life. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You know, the heart is the very seat in which the issues of your life sit. If you allow your heart to be knitted to that what was, to people or circumstances or habits that maybe weren't the best for you, you run the risk of taking the life, uh, tainting the life that is to come. Why? Because you allow a cord to stay wrapped around you to that which is behind you, and eventually all the mess and heartache that's living behind you travels along that string and influences what you're walking into. And so God understands this principle and He says, because your heart holds the key to the issues that you will face in your life, you need to guard it. You need a purpose to look forward, to not look back, to keep running. Church, I want to tell you this morning that this is a year for you to cut and run. This is a year for you to cut and run. You spend too long looking over your shoulder. This is a year for you to say, you know what? Snip, I'm cutting and I'm running. I'm trusting God that what He has before me is far greater than anything that was behind me. And church, I'll tell you this morning, if you will cut and run as far as you can, and when you've run to, you've got no more breath left in your lungs, and you stop and drop, God's going to change your world this year. Prayer, the Word of God, and worship, you will come out of the blocks firing this year. Amen. Why don't we stand this morning? I just want to sort of stay in a moment. The worship team's just going to lead us in some worship. But I really feel in my heart this morning that people here, it's time to cut and run. It's time to cut and run. For too long, you've kind of walked one direction, looking over your shoulder at another. Whatever it is that is in your past, however severe, however tragic, however great it was, at some point, we've got to loose the hold of that past on you that you would walk into a future. And so I feel that just that God was just saying to me in my time with Him, Justin, the key to just walking strong this year is to stop looking over your shoulder and begin walking into what I have because today's the day, church, you have to believe God has a future and a hope for your life. And so there's people I know in the house of God today, you want to start strong, you want to go hard for God this year. But there's this thing tied around you. 
you just can't, as much as you run, as much as you want to get away, as much as, you, as much as you want to do a new start, there's just this thing that's tied around your waist and it's kind of keeping you tagged and tethered to what you're trying to leave behind you. And you feel trapped and you're going around in circles and there's something in your world that's captivating, keeping you captive, holding you down, stopping you from building momentum, stopping you from moving forward. I'm telling you, today's the day God is going to cut that cord and He's going to cause you to run as fast as you can in front. Amen. So I just want right now as our heads are bowed, why don't we just lift our arms and just press into God just for a moment. Because I believe God wants to do some work on lives this morning. That you would leave this place never the same again. Not carrying baggage, not carrying condemnation, but free in Christ. You know, the Bible tells me who the sun sets free is free indeed. Today's the day God's looked long enough on your past and He wants to introduce you to a future that is far brighter. If you will just allow Him this morning in a moment of surrender to say, Son, daughter, I'm going to cut the cord. I'm cutting the cord. I'm cutting the cord. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what's behind you. Doesn't matter how long you've journeyed in it. Doesn't matter what was behind you. I'm telling you, if you will allow God this morning by the power of His Holy Spirit to cut the cord, He's going to release you with momentum into your future. He's going to release you into healing. He's going to release you into financial breakthrough. He's going to release you into answers. Your marriage is going to come to a place of being restored. Your future is going to look bright and the sun's going to rise again on your life because you allowed Him to cut the cord. You're no longer tethered to what was, but you're looking forward for what is to come. So right now, I just want to invite you whatever it is that you've been holding on to, whatever it is that you feel has been dragging you back, if that's you this morning, you say, Justin, today's the day. I want to cut the cord. I want to start afresh. I'm coming back to the source. The Holy Spirit inside of me, that small jar of oil, you might think I'm standing there with nothing to show for my life. I'm telling you, you have everything to show for your life because you have the oil of the Holy Spirit inside of you. The power of God ready to do a work in you this morning. So if that's you this morning, I'd love to pray with you and agree with you that this morning God's going to cut whatever it is that needs to be cut behind you, that you can start moving forward. So as we worship this morning, I just want to invite you, come down the front. I just want to pray with you and encourage you. If that's you right now, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Say, Justin, I need prayer. I want to cut what's behind me. Would you just come down the front this morning? There are people in the house I know this morning. Come down the front. I know there's more. You've been walking with the weight behind you. I'm telling you, you don't have to walk with the weight anymore. If you will come down the front, God is going to set you free this morning. There's an anointing in the house this morning for release, for freedom in Jesus' name. Be bold, church. Be in a moment of courage. Take courage and come down the front this morning and say, no more. No more. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.